Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. We are so blessed this morning to have our special speaker, Michael McNamee. Uh, Michael, come on up. Give it a hand for our Northern Ireland friend and our guest today. He has been a missionary for 35 years. He is from Northern Ireland. He, uh, 13 years ago, he had a, a vision to reach refugees in Europe. They were coming in from all the nations of the world. And uh, he has started uh, Convoy Europe. And so we've been involved with Convoy of Hope in the past. He has two daughters and he has... Th- two grandsons, and uh, just, give it, just give a warm, warm welcome for Michael McNamee. God thank bless you, you buddy. You so it's all yours. Thank you. Amen. I don't know if he said the most important thing. I am Irish. I have a funny accent. I also have a cold. If you don't understand what I'm saying, just guess. It is such a privilege to be in South Carolina. But you talk funny here as well. (laughs) I think America is the greatest country in the world. Not just because 45 million Irish people live here. Not just because 17 American presidents have Irish blood in them. The rest of them are your fault. America is great because this nation has been established on the freedom of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some amongst you who are trying to rob you of that freedom. They're trying to make America something that God did not intend it to be. But as a non-American today, I can tell you, through the mist and through the storm, the star-spangled banner still flies as a testimony to people like me that America still occurs. And I want to say this morning, God bless you and God bless America. It's a tremendous privilege to be with Pastor Larry and his much more beautiful wife, Jeannie. I don't understand the word they say either. In the middle of all that this church is doing, this church is known throughout the world. 120 missionaries are doing what they want to do, what God has called them to do. In the middle of all this world, thanks to your sacrifice, bless yourselves. <laughs> missions is not crossing the seas, but missions is seeing the cross. And when you see the cross, you could never, ever, ever be the same again. Before I go to the Bible, I want to ask you a question. Do you understand the word I'm saying? Line. <laughs> I want to preach one first of scripture from the book of Psalms. Say Psalms. Psalms. No, Psalms. Psalms. Holy Spirit. Spirit, say it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, ashamed. I now pronounce you honorary leprechauns. <laughs> I want to read from the book of Psalms, chapter 2, verse 8. Say it. It. Oh my, this is a problem this morning. (laughs) I need to go to North Carolina. They understand me. (laughs) Psalms 2, verse 8 says, As for me, ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Ask of me. 
The Lord says, ask. There are conditions. Ask of me, and he will give us the world. Not just this community, not just this state, not just America, but the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we reach out and we touch the hem of your garment this morning. Some of us are tired. Some of us have come to this altar so many times, Lord God. We've cried out, but the prodigal has not come home. The body is still sick. The marriage is still stressed. The finances are not coming in. You're like some elusive butterfly, Lord God. That's just the person beside us, and we seem to become immune. Do not pass us by this morning, but stop and touch us. With the last gasp for some of us, we reach out and we touch the hem of your garment. And in the middle of all that's happening in the world, you will notice our touch. You will feel our touch. Because you can tell the difference between the indiscriminate touch of the crowd and the touch of a believing person. You love us that much this morning. So Heavenly Father, help us, I pray. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, we pray, Lord God, that there will be a move of your Holy Spirit this morning. In the middle of Missions Week, in the middle of Missions Week, there will be healings, baptisms, encounters, epiphanies. Let's just wait in the presence of the Lord just a moment. Reach out and touch him this morning. We love you this morning, Jesus. We love you this morning, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. It is such a privilege to be here this morning. My daughter was born in America. My other daughter wants to be born in America, but it's too late now. <laughs> it was a decision made a long time ago. I grew up in Northern Ireland, in Belfast. As you probably know, there's a war going on in Ireland for the last 500 years. Irish people love the world. They just don't like each other. And for years there's been a conflict there as Northern Ireland tries to join with Southern Ireland and get rid of England. There's a guerrilla army known as the IRA, the Irish Republican Army, and I was a part of that army for 14 years. I shared briefly this morning. I grew up in this Milton Catholic home. My father was a gun runner. My grandfather was a gun runner. And so I became a... No, a terrorist. <laughs> when I was 16 years of age, I joined a terrorist army known as the IRA. I signed a piece of paper. I, John Michael Joseph McNamee, do hereby swear to kill as many Protestants and English people as I can. Even if the, the streets of Ireland run red with blood, I will continue until Ireland is a Catholic country. When you look at me this morning, I look so cute. Okay, moving on. The second service will be better. How did anybody think? But I was totally socialized. I believed that I was living in a war. And so at the age of 19, I became an assassin. I was trained to become an assassin. And 10 of our young people, including me, decided that we were going to change the world. And eight of those people died. As my life went on into my early 20s, I became disillusioned. You see, from the moment we were born, we were born with a spirit inside us that needs to be satisfied. Some of us turned to drink, drugs, perversions. I turned to crime, but terrorism. But we, we can't change that spirit inside us until the spirit of the living God joins with our spirit. I didn't know that. And so I just made a decision one day. The IRA decided that they were going to put bombs all over Ireland. Why, why did I not like that? Because I wanted to kill the enemy, not our own people. And because they put bombs everywhere, we were killing our own people. And I made the decision I was going to, I was going to die. 
I sat the side of my bed when I was 27 years of age, and I said, I'm going to die. And I tried to get killed, and I could not get killed. Like some actor in a cheap movie, I was oblivious to death. And I became disillusioned. And one day, I was, I was working in an office as a front for my terrorism, and a young girl came in to this office. She was not a Catholic. I couldn't understand that, because it was a Catholic firm. What was, was non-Catholic dinner? And she walked into the house, into the office, and I looked at her, and I, my life changed. She was so beautiful. I walked over to her, and I said, hi. <laughs> Any single people here, you can use that, hi. And she looked at me and said, you've got a problem. You need Jesus. I said, you're a Protestant. She said, no, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I said, I'm a Christian. She said, no, you're not. And I watched her. Boy, did I watch her. And in the middle of war, this woman was changed. She was transformed. I tried to bring her down, but she, she stood there oblivious. Love, love, love. I said, there's something wrong with you. One day, I went with two of my friends to a bar. I was totally disillusioned. I wanted to die. I couldn't understand this girl. And I was talking to these two guys about this girl, and they said, oh, you've lost your way. And I was so mad at them, I jumped up and walked out, the, out of, the, of the bar. I did not know that my friends had put a, a bomb in that bar. You think they would tell you? Friends used to do If you put a bomb in the bar, tell your friends. <laughs> Especially if they go to that bar. And as I walked out of the bar, the place blew up around me. I was untouched except for some problems with my face and hands, which you probably already noticed, especially my face. I went to the hospital. Seventy people were mutilated, not killed. And for the first time in my life, I was disillusioned because I found out my colleagues had put the bomb in that bar. I couldn't understand it. And I went to the hospital to be fixed up, and this good-looking girl came to visit me, and she said, you need Jesus. I said, what, but you know, you know Jesus... He can't help me. And she gave me a sandwich. The food in the hostel was terrible. And she gave me a sandwich. And I looked at that sandwich. You're not going to believe this. And I couldn't understand why she would give me some food. And my life was changed. I went to a meeting her father was holding. I didn't understand what was happening in the meeting. The people were funny. They looked just like you. <laughs> but at the end of the meeting, he talked about Jesus dying for someone. Dying for someone. He died for everyone. And I understood death. And I couldn't understand how someone would die for me. And I walked forward at the end of the meeting. And the girl to my right was healed. He was deaf and dumb from birth. And she was healed. And I looked at it and I couldn't understand it. I said, God, I know you're here. I don't understand this. And I cried out to God. And God saved my soul. I was transformed by the power of a living God. My colleagues tried to assassinate me because they thought I'd become a Protestant. I fled to England. The good-looking girl, she followed me there. I think she liked me. She studied psychology. I don't know why. I borrowed some money off her and we got married. And my life was changed by the power of the living God because of somebody's words and because of a sandwich. Think about that sandwich. It's going to play a lot of part of my sermon. Ask of me, says the Lord, and I will give you nations. The greatest country in the world is America. Some of you don't understand me this morning. I'm going to give you a lot of slides. The first slide I want to show you, America is in the middle of a transition. The slide's going to come up behind me. That's the photograph of me in the future. Transitions are often difficult, sometimes delicate, but they're always defining. Some people are completely terrified of change, some are tolerant of it, and some thrive on it. 
whether you believe it or believe it not. In the 30 years I've been coming to America, this is the most critical time ever for this wonderful country. The most critical time ever. People are saying to me in droves, we are not going to support the world anymore. We're tired of the words, Yankee, go home. My friends, you never give money or assistance to the world based on them liking you. America is different and great because they reach out and touch a world that is lost. And in the middle of all this chaos, your leader, your pastor, and his staff have decided that no matter what happens, this church is not going to just touch this community, but they're going to reach out and touch a world as well. And I give them praise for that. In the middle, in the middle of all that's happening, they have a vision. Let me talk about the next slide, the fastness of the vision. This man, Larry, and his wife and the staff here, they believe that they can not only touch South Carolina, but they can touch a world. Let me tell you about the continent of Europe. The continent of Europe gave you God. They came here on their boats, fleeing, not to have Turkey with the Indians. That evolved. 42% of them died that first winter. But the Europeans left behind something that seared the soil of this great nation. And the Holy Spirit nurtured that sacrifice and made America what it is today, the greatest country in the world. But Europe is in desperate need of help. 725 million people. The Muslims are going there in their tens of thousands. And the Muslim world and the European continent is the greatest need in the world today. And they give you the gospel. It's difficult to be a missionary in Europe. So many basic things. I like South Carolina. The gas here is $2.50 a gallon. In Europe, it's pretty low at the moment. It's $7 a gallon. We can't afford to have gas in our car. I get into the car and my wife pushes it. <laughs> we have run a training program. She's starting to do better. My wife is a psychologist. Many people here are psychologists. Many people here are single. Never marry a psychologist. We no longer talk to each other. She just looks at me and takes notes. And after I became a Christian, I went to the, the country of Portugal to try and win people to the Lord. And it's so difficult. I would start churches. I would preach every single day. Can you imagine listening to this every day? Some of you went, what's he talking about? I don't understand the word he's saying. Put up some more slides. I would preach 365 days a year, 500 days a year to start a church. And at the end of that year, I would have 25 dysfunctional people. I did that 16 times. I said to my wife one day, I can't do this anymore. I want to go to Latin America. When you say Jesus in Latin America, everybody gets saved. I want to go to Africa. When you say heal, everybody gets healed. My wife says to you, don't you dare. Listen to your sermons. They're not that good, but listen to them. You're called to Europe. I said, but Bert, she said, don't you but burl me. And she, Michael me, or whatever her name is, and she put her hand out. I don't care what the Bible says. My wife does that. It's over. I heard about this ministry called Convoy of Hope in America, how they reach the, preach the gospel socially, physically, and spiritually. And I decided to start it in Europe. And I said, I'm going to go to the worst place in Europe ever. And I went to this place in the middle of Albania, Albania, which was the first atheist country ever in the world. The wall had just fallen, so I went to Albania. I went to this community, and they 
didn't like the community. Why? Because they were infested with rats. I don't like rats. Snakes are okay. Spiders are okay. Mother-in-law is okay. I don't like... I just lost half the congregation. I, lo- I just don't like rats. Hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. Hundreds of rats. And the people were so poor and so desperate. They, they didn't even kill these rats. They just walked around and followed you. All the kids were bitten by rats. And so we decided that we were going to do something there with Convoy of Hope. And so what we did was we went to the, I went to two master's commissions, which is a discipleship school for young people in Holland and Spain. I said, do you want to die for Jesus? They said, yes. They said, follow me. So we went to Albania and I said, here's what we're going to do. We went to this room. There was 50 tons of garbage. Hundreds of rats. And I said, we're going to clean this garbage out and we're going to kill these rats. The first day we killed 267 rats. I set an Irish record of 25. I'm in the Guinness Book of Records. And the 50 tons of garbage, we cleaned that out. They had one toilet that had not been cleaned for 10 years. Oh, don't talk to me, please. I had another missionary, Doug Weber from Michigan, said we were going to clean out this toilet. I put on boots. Two pairs of socks, two pairs of jeans, three t-shirts, four pairs of gloves, a mask, I'm not wearing it this morning, and a hat. He was much the same, and we did, ten years, we climbed into this, you know what. And it was, the toilet was blocked up with stones. He said, Michael, put your hand down there. And I said, no, 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 no. I'll pray this part of it, you do, you do the action part. And I looked around, and there was a young girl of six standing there in t-shirt and little shorts, no gloves, she's just laughing at me, and she's standing in the middle of this stuff. And I said, if she can do it, I can do it. So I put my hand down, and there's stones underneath the feces, and I put my hand down, and I cleared the stones, and a rat ran up my arm. Oh, my heavens. It gave me the heebie-jeebies talking about it. It hit me on the shoulder, went down and started to swim away. I, uh, but we cleaned out that place. And the missionary there, tremendous missionary, Kurt Plaganoff, in that room where there was 50 tons of garbage, it's a Sunday school room. We put 52 of those kids in school. And 10 years later, there's 50 of them still in school. We, no, no. There's a church there now. There's micro-enterprises. And 13 years later, we were in 52 countries. Started 51 churches. Finished 276 projects and ministered to 1.6 million people. The fastness. The fastness. See, vision like the pastor has. Next slide. Vision like this can only come from God. The pastor didn't sit with his wife one time and his leader says, let's make the people of this church unhappy. Let's do something ridiculous. Vision like he has can only come from God. We're going to change this community, this city, this state, this country, and the world. That can only come from God. You see, we we, we learn a couple of things. Next slide. We are stewards and not owners. Once you get that into your DNA, brother, your life has changed. I don't own anything. I'm just managing what God gave me. It is such a stress-free revelation. Right. 
We need influence, not affluence. This church has got influence, and because they've got influence with God, he's supplying the need. Heavenly inheritance, not earthly investment. God creates opportunities, and he follows obedience. You have an opportunity this morning to change the world. And if you obey God, you will stand one day with countless thousands of people. Let me tell you about some of them. The one thing that's really bothered me in Convoy of Hope, we do so much stuff, and I'll talk about that in the next few minutes. I have, I'm, a, I'm the father of two daughters, and the Holocaust of Europe and probably the world is traffic women. It bothers me. It's bothered me for years. And I keep saying about our, our staff, I know we're in 52 countries, but let's try and work with traffic. But Michael, we can't do it. We're too much, it's too much. We, we can't do everything. We can't meet everybody's need. And one day I had the opportunity to go to the country of Spain, the city of Madrid, with a preacher, Aaron Cole from Milwaukee, to visit this traffic women's place. It was run by a Scottish woman who's married to the superintendent of the Assemblies God of Spain, Scottish and Spanish. Wow, we'll talk about that later. And she saw these women coming into the country of Spain and they were put in prison for 90 days and not allowed to have a change of clothes. And so she talked to me, we sent some clothes, some toiletries, and gradually became to get more and more acquainted. So I wanted to see what she was doing. And in the back streets of Madrid, upstairs, I knocked on a door and I walked in and there's 28 young girls there. And they asked me to speak. I said, I'm not speaking to these girls. I want them to speak to me. And one of them stood up like this. She was 27 years of age, from Colombia. I know there's some young people in the service, so I'll make this as clear as possible. And she took, give me his, I came from Colombia to Barcelona, a fantastic city, to be a nanny. But they stole my passport, and they chained me to the basement of a home. And every day, every 20 minutes during that day, every 20 minutes during that day, for 18 months, they woke me up to be intimate with a stranger. Did you ever have a time in the church when you just say, I have had enough? You ever had a time in your life and you say, I cannot take this anymore? At a moment just like that. Men, we have not been called to be predators. We have been called to be protectors. And I said, I don't care what it costs me. It costs us five figures a month for the next two years. We're going to see this ministry come to fruit. We're going to see this ministry flourish. And I went to pray for this girl. Just be careful. And she turned around like this. And her two, mo- two shoulder blades were protruding because of the abuse she suffered. And I prayed for her. And she became the epitome of everything I want to be. I said, God, in the years that are left to me, help me not to become immune. Compassion is making somebody else's misery yours. Help me not to become super sensitive, insensitive. Help me not to suffer from compassion fatigue. 
Have me not the risk. Have me not to die with regret, saying, I wish I'd have loved more. I wish I'd have given more. Help me, Lord God, to do something. And every year that ministry puts out over 30 women, free from the sin, free from their pimps, free, free, free with business. God creates opportunities, but he follows, follows obedience. Vision like the pastor has can only become reality as we are willing to dream his dreams. His dreams. His dreams. The world is sick at the moment. Refugees all over Europe, pursued by ISIS. I was in the Gold Army, but our Gold Army was not as good as ISIS. They are the most wealthy, affluent, the most demonic army this world has ever known. In the country of Syria, atrocities. There was a small village there. There was a woman called, we'll call her Sonia. She was there with her husband, her brother, her mother, and two kids. She loved Jesus. ISIS, a group of ISIS came into her village three and a half years ago. And they said, all the Jesus followers come into the center of the city. She walked in with a few others. The leader of the ISIS group walked up to her and says, do you love Jesus? She said, yes. He says, I will give you 15 seconds to change your mind. This is not a criticism. America is the greatest country in the world. I love you guys. What you're going to do and what you are doing is incredible. There's no condemnation here. But it really bothers me in some places. You get up in the morning and if it's raining, you will not come to church. If you can't find a parking place, you'll drive away. Not you, people. If granny's in town, there was a, there was a football game on or a baseball game, a basketball game. And they said to this woman, renege on Jesus. She said, no. This is going to be very difficult for some of you. For me, because I know her. They immediately decapitated her husband. In front of her. They decapitated her mother. Her mother. And her brother. The ISIS army has two armies. A militant army and a rapist army. They called in the rapists and pointed at her and her young son lay across her body and says, please don't touch my mother. And this army who is godless, let her go. It's, an, it's a miracle. And she fled with her two kids. And she walked 1,800 miles across Europe. And in three hours, in a place in Bulgaria, in a refugee camp, there's a place there called the Convoy of Hope Oasis Center. It's at that camp. Because a church in America God bless America. Heard me speak one day. I gave me the money to buy that little place. And every day we feed the people in those that camp. And in three hours' time, we'll have a church meeting at the back of that place. There's about 20 to 25 Syrian refugees. And inclusive in those are Sonia and her two traumatized kids. Next slide. What we do for ourselves dies with us. 
What we do for others remains. It is immortal. This is not a game. This is a fight for the souls of men and women. It really bothers me. I go to some churches and they say, we're not doing missions anymore. It really bothers me that they hear the, you hear them, the cries of the lost. Different colors, different creeds, lost in their sickness and their sins. And God is calling us today to do something about this. We have been chosen. I absolutely love that fact that we've been chosen. Vision like your pastor has requires all of us. Next slide. All of us. Every single one of us. I don't understand this. I don't understand this. God can't love me anymore. And he can't love me any less. God loves you. He can't love you anymore. He can't love you any less. His love is not dependent on how you, what you do and what you don't do. How you feel and how you don't feel. If you're having a bad day, he can't love you anymore. And God, I woke up this morning in the hotel early. And I went into the bathroom and I looked at the mirror. Say the mirror. Say mirror. Yeah, mirror. It's what they brought the baby Jesus. Gold frankincense and a mirror. <laughs> Hang in there with me. And I looked at the mirror this morning, and I don't like what I see. My hair's going. McDonald's is disturbing my physique. But God looks at me this morning, and he goes, Kuchi, kuchi, ku. Which, as you all know, is Hebrew, for I love you. You're starting to believe me. God loves each and every one of you this morning. There is nobody who's more important than the other person. God loves you this morning. God loves you this morning. America is an interesting country. I've been coming here for 30 years. I've got a slide I want to talk to you about. America is changing. But we cannot allow the focal minority to dominate the desired direction of the convinced majority. Now, there's a word for America. We can't listen to these people who are telling us what to do. God tells us what to do. You know, if you really want to do something, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. I was working in Portugal first before I went to Belgium. And we went to this refugee camp. And it was horrendous. And there was, there was a part of it which was full of drug addicts. And they would walk around with drugs sticking out of various parts of their body. I went with a team one time, standing by a wall, ministering to somebody. He had drugs sticking out of his, all parts of his legs and anatomy. And the wall burst, and a toilet came on top of us. Remains of a toilet. And I said, the end of the world is at nigh. It doesn't get any worse than this. I was covered in excrement, and this guy in front of me was covered in syringes. And I went, oh. And we had a Korean student in our Bible school. He didn't speak Portuguese. He barely spoke English, but he was a man of God. We give him A plus for every, every exam because he spoke to God every day. And he looked at that guy, and he went back to the school with me. He says, Michael, I want to work on that refugee camp drug part of it. I said, okay. He says, will you give me a brush? I said, a brush? I said, yeah. He said, a brush. Okay, so I give him the brush. 
And unknown to me, I gave him two brushes because he's a man of God. He went down to the refugee camp, come drug the place the next day, and he started to brush all the syringes, singing in Korean, hallelujah, hallelujah, brushing, hey, brush, brush, brush. The people were going, weeks brushing. He came back to me one day and he says, Michael, will you give me some plastic bags? He wanted to extend his ministry. So he got the plastic bags, and he, instead of brushing the place, and my, he now brushed his stuff and put it in the plastic bags and brought it to our Bible school and dumped it in our garbage. But he was a man of God. After four or five months, he came to me one day and he says, Michael, I want some shoo-shoo. I said, shoo-shoo? But I he was such a man of God, I was scared of him. And when he asked me for something, I was scared if I didn't give it to him, God would say something to me. He said, shoo-shoo. And I went, shoo-shoo, shoo-shoo, shoo-shoo. He went, he went over to your window and he went, shishi. And God said to me, window cleaner. Now, even now, when I go to the supermarket, I said, to brother, get some shishi. <laughs> so I give him the, you get the brush, the plastic bags, the shishi. She goes to this refugee camp and the drug part of it, and they've got these little shanty homes, just make believe, you know, bits of wood. And, and he started cleaning the glass. I don't know why. Ah. One day he was cleaning the glass and he looked in and there's a girl, somebody's daughter, lying on a dirty mattress on the ground. He pushed open the door, no locks, and he grabbed this girl. He says he's only about five foot and he, he scrubbed. And the girl was, hadn't changed her dress for months. She was a prostitute selling herself for coins, no teeth, 21 years of age. Somebody's daughter. Somebody's daughter. And he cried. But there was a, a team there from America, it's all he's America, with a nurse on the team, and the nurse ministered to her, and he came back in school, and he was really upset, and the next day, with a shoo-shoo and the brush and thing, he said, have you any shampoo, Michael? Or Miguel, as he would call me. I gave him some shampoo, and he went down, and the girl was still lying on that mattress. And he got some water. And he walked over to her and he shampooed her hair. And he sang to her in Korean. He shampooed her hair. And during the next months, he walked through that camp like Jesus, holding men as they died from overdosing, shampooing girls' hair. And he, he talked to them, and he didn't understand what he was saying. Not verbally, anyway. And he went to Angola and CBN are doing a movie of his life because he's got a school of 3,500 people and a church of 2,500 doesn't even speak a language. I'll ask you a question. Where are you in the world today? Where are you in your life? Could you shampoo a prostitute's hair? Maybe you don't have to. But God's asking that question this morning. We will not listen to the minority who are going to drag America to its knees. We will listen to the vast majority of the people in America who are called by the living God to reach out and touch a world that is lost. We recognize the call of God upon your life. We recognize that America has been called this hour to reach out and touch a world that is lost. There is nobody more spiritually, 
physically equipped than the United States of America, and we will not listen to this minority, because the folly of our vision. If you really want to do something, I said you will find a way. If you don't, you will find an excuse. Here's my a very key slide for you. The pain of dis- discipline weighs ounces, but regret weighs tons. I told you earlier on, I go to hospitals, and I minister to the dying, and not one person has ever said to me, I wish I had a love less and given less. A sandwich. I was given a sandwich, and absolutely not only changed my life. The last slide I want to give you is, kindness is a language that the deaf can hear and the blind can see. I have I have nowhere else to go. Some days I stand knee deep in man's inhumanity to man. I wonder sometimes, is there anybody without an agenda? Anybody who really, really, really is what they say, who say they are? When I accepted Lord Jesus Christ, I became clean from the inside out. Is there anybody? And the Lord always brings me here. I am honored, honored, honored to be invited by Pastor Larry to stand in front of you this morning. Your desire will determine your destiny. But I want you to understand one thing. It's not manipulation. Today, your desire will determine their destiny. In a couple of moments, Pastor Larry is going to ask you to give an offering, a missions offering, and make a promise for six months or a year. I don't know which one of these. Over and above your ties. Over and above your ties. I beg you, I lie prostrate in front of you this morning. We need your help. I want to cut out the cries of those young children. I want to go into more places and kill rats. I promise you I will do that. I will clean toilets. I will kill rats. Because I want to stand in front of those young people. Some of those young girls who have never trusted a man in their life. And I want to say, I come in the name of Jesus. And because of a church in South Carolina, I can do the following for you. I close. I'm emotionally upset this morning. That's probably too much. That's why I need my wife. She always goes like this. Can you shampoo a prostitute's hair? I'll do it for you. One more time. Can you hear them? The cries of the lost. It's overwhelming. But through the mist and through the storm, God says, I will give you nations. And through the mist and through the storm, to Michael McNamee and non-Americans all over this world, the star-spangled banner still flies as a testimony to me that you care. This is not public talk. Please don't, I'm not manipulating you. God bless Pastor Larry and the leadership team this morning. God bless you. And from the bottom of my heart, 
Oh God, I cried you this morning. God bless United States of America. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.